It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999 Podcast Like It's 1999 Podcast Like It's You on the podcast like it's 1999 Hello and welcome to <laughs> Podcast Like It's 1999 The podcast where we look back at the films of 1999 from our purchase here in 2018 I am your host, Kenny Nybart, and across Jesus. from me is So much energy My uh, old buddy Phil Iscove Phil Phil, who desperately wanted to do this movie. That's not true. Who told me, you know, I like this movie. Here's. <laughs> and well, first of all, we're covering Austin Powers Just by You Shag Me today. That's the second Austin Powers movie. That is the second in the Austin Powers trilogy. trilogy. Um, not really a particularly like. It's not a movie series, I think, of the trilogy. It's not really particularly conclusive. Like, when I look, I'm like, there wasn't really a. There were three of them, but like, they're not really interconnected. There's in a thing way. that happened at the end. Near near the end of the third. I don't remember. I'm going to give it away for those who haven't seen the whole trilogy. Spoiler, guys. Uh, Austin Powers and Dr. Evil are twins. Oh, right. And you find that out in the end. And not Uh, like that's some big, exciting reveal, because obviously that was retconned. And on top of that, this is a spoof. So, like, none of that is really, like... (laughs) There aren't any actual characters. Yeah, it's not super important. Like, I mean, it's it's just kind of cute and funny. But, yeah, yeah, there's things that kind of build on each other. And, like, um, you know... We should definitely talk about this movie, but one thing that... Well, we, we are going to talk about this movie. That's what the... We should definitely talk about this movie on the podcast, that this is the title of the movie. We don't have a guest... That by, just made my brain hurt, but okay. We don't have... That's like the scene in Austin Powers, by oh, Shag Me, where they talk about the time travel. Yeah. But um, we true. don't have a guest for this movie, because no one in the right minds would come on to talk about that's this movie. That's not true. We didn't even talk about having a guest on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you... Here's the other thing that I'm a little nervous about this, with this movie. Uh-huh. One of the things that I've noticed over and over again is that people who um, listen to this podcast yes. and who I also know yeah. 
are very disappointed in my take, or I guess our take, on American Pie. Really? Which is a movie. Well, yeah. Which is a I movie haven't had I think, that. I haven't really? had that response. The people that I've spoken to about our, our American Pie episode felt it was pretty fair. Art. It was okay. It, no, we were right. But some people have come <laughs> and said, you know, essentially, I remember that movie being a lot better than it seems like it is now, or like the Green Mile Syndrome. Yeah, which I felt like that happened to me a lot. Like I would talk to people about the Green Mile, and, and they'd be like, "Oh, good. I really like that movie." And you're like, "You haven't seen it since then. You should I, rewatch it." I think this is the worst offender. Now I, th- I, now, I will. I, okay. Well, I, I thought I, I really did hate this movie in the theaters. Yeah. Um, because I'm really against scatological humor for the sake of scatological humor. There's so much of that. In yeah. This. I, I forgot that. Right. I forgot that, that that's every was, joke in this movie. Every joke is about like eating shit or sticking something up someone's ass or pulling something out of someone's ass. Which was not the case in International Man of Mystery. Or in Goldmember. Man, which I haven't re- Goldmember, Gold I just remember the guy eating his skin. skin. Yeah. It had its own, own brand of gross, but like that's a little <laughs> honestly, that's a little more inspired than the literal shit. Yes, yeah, so no, movie. I would agree with you. It's still weird, but weird less, but, but, yeah. but weird weird is not necessarily sure. weird is good. Sure. Like eating his skin, I've never seen that before. That's so fucking weird. I kinda I mean I hated it, but like it's so weird, like <laughs> salty credits, right? You have seen Goldmember recently, no? But um, I really haven't. But just I just remember that. Yeah. But all right, so so Spy Who Shagged Me uh, was a massive cultural moment. It was. It's one of the bigger movies we're going to do on this podcast in terms of how big it was at yep. the time. Yeah, made a ton of money. Let's talk about that for a second, shall we? Give, let's give let's, let's just give the context. Uh, opens yeah, opens on June eleventh, nineteen ninety nine, with no opening weekend competition. People were the students were scared of this movie. Real quickly, yes. Do you have how much International Man of Mystery made? Yes, I can pull that up. Be- well, well I can, actually, I can. I fold it into this is I think something that you're. So you, let's, you see what I'm getting? Yes. At. The first Austin Powers movie had a budget of sixteen million dollars. Mm-hmm. One six. The second one had a budget of thirty three million. The third one had a budget of about $64 million. Mm-hmm. So again, these are still mid-level, mid-budget movies. These aren't particularly expensive in the greater scheme of things. I mean, the third one got a little bit pricey, and that's why they stopped making them, I think. But kind of like, but, that, that's to Mike Myers' credit, that he kind of knew that he didn't need to spend $100 million. So I'm sure he could have gotten it based on what this movie did. Wait, you're saying Goldmember? Yes. Well, Goldmember... I'm sure he could have gotten sure. a blank, the, the first, blankest the first of blank one is, checks. Was, was super cheap. It didn't make that much money. In fact, Austin Powers 2, The Spy Who Shagged Me, went on to earn $54.9 million in its opening weekend, which is more than the $53.8 million the first Austin Powers made in its entire theatrical there you go. run. So $53.8 million. This movie, kind of like Shawshank, yeah. really found its legs, not, in this particular case, on DVD. This mm-hmm. is the movie that people bought with their DVD players. And it was the highest-selling DVD of all time yeah, a big for a DVD period there. of time until yep. – I believe Air Force One overtook it. Yep, that sounds so right. So that and, and, and to it, it's a very rewatchable movie, a very quotable movie. It's an interesting character you've never seen before. It's very funny. Like yep. Mike Myers was really playing at the top of his game in the first one. in the first one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think two that characters you've never the, seen before. So They're great. Spy Who Shagged Me goes on to make three hundred and twelve million worldwide. Yeah, on a thirty three million dollar budget. That's that's a lot of cash. And then the entire series goes on to make six hundred and seventy six million worldwide. That is a lot of money. When you combine all the budgets of these movies, I mean, it's about, only about $100 million. About $100 million. Yeah. Not even. No, it's a little more. It's 16 Something a little like more. that. But the point is, like, 
you know, the, it worked. People loved this character. People loved this series. I remember when this movie opened. It's kind of nuts to think that studios were kind of afraid of this movie, that nothing opened up against it. That's what's crazy to me. Is crazy. That's the point. It had the weekend to itself. It's crazy to me that people knew how just just how big of a cult this had this had birthed, right? Because when you see a fifty three million dollar movie in nineteen ninety nine, it's not a bomb, but that's not a that's not a big success. That's not even necessarily sequel. Although on that budget, that's but it's not even necessarily sequel. I agree, right? Totally, totally. And based on DVD. Everybody in town essentially knew, and that's a $33 million movie. That's yeah. not blockbuster prices. Yeah. Everyone in town knew, clear out. Get the fuck away clear from this out. thing. It's going to be big. It's for everybody. Which is nuts. I mean, this is a movie that, or a series, just to give a little bit of you know earlier context, if you will. Mike Myers originally wanted Jim Carrey to play Dr. Evil, but Carrey eventually had to pass due to scheduling conflicts on Liar Liar. That's interesting to me. I would love to have seen what that was. Well, to me, a lot of the charm is that he's playing both roles, at least in the first one. Okay. But I think that the powerhouse of that, of the two of them in a movie together, would have been something really special to see. Both Canadian, too, by the way. For what yeah, that's well, you know, I love the Canadians. Everyone um, who listens to the podcast knows that. Uh, but uh, okay, I, so- I, I would say that, to me, a, a big part of the appeal is yeah. the magic trick of Austin and Dr. Evil. Um, I mean, I, it, listen, it clearly works. I'm not against it. And his Dr. Evil is super fun, and I get it. Um, I also like thinking to myself what it could have been yeah. if Jim Carrey had done it. Uh, an early trailer for this film referred to – so they did a voiceover on it. You're talking it. about International Man of Mystery? No, I'm talking about Spider Shagman. Okay. Said if you only see one movie this summer, see Star Wars Episode One, but if you <laughs> see two, see Austin Powers' Spider Shagman, which I think is kind of great. Like, it, it, I think that – Say what you will about the actual movies themselves. I think that the marketing, I think that all everything, the periphery of this film is so good-natured and is so sort of like perfectly self-referential that I think that's part of why the, the, these movies were so successful at the time. Now, the movies themselves don't hold up that well, and I will say that re-watching this film was a, a pretty painful experience. Um, it was more painful for me, and I'll tell you why. I watched it on an iPad on a plane. And it is not a movie that that, that you want your your seat neighbor looking over and seeing what you're watching on at least fifteen occasions. So that's it was it was rough. That's, but I, the things I do for this podcast, folks. Uh, here's the other thing I came to realize this weekend. Uh, I met up with a friend, Eric Carrasco, who will be a guest at some point on this podcast, uh, and told him that I was like We're doing Spy Shag, whatever. And uh, he came to the horrific realization that he basically knows that entire movie by heart, and he he because he saw it so many times. He was ten when it came out. Like, that's that's right. That's right where you need to be for this film to hit you. And he's like, I think I've probably seen it 70 times. He's like, I, he knew every line of it. Anyway. I've seen, I've seen the first one half a dozen times at least. Okay. I have um, okay. I, and I love it. I think it's a great movie. Um, I think it's a sweeter movie, a simpler it's a charming movie. movie. It's a charming movie. I agree with that. I mean, I was, you know, I was with 
friends this weekend yeah. before I watched this movie, and we were in a bad parking situation where we had to back in and out, in and out, in and out, and I said, just Austin Powers it. And everyone knows what that means. It's, it's great. It's just a great bit. It's, it's not such gross. a great visual, it's not, it's, it's not gross. It's not scatological. Yeah. It's just funny. And he plays yeah. it straight, and it's just funny. The pee joke in the first one is funny. It's a great joke. Yeah. It's a great joke. I'm I think not against. Yeah. I'm not against scatological humor when it works, but this is just. I think oh. that here's part of what also sucks about the second and third movie in the series is that there's no fish out of water anymore. The the fun there could have been there could have been, but the fun of taking a guy the out of time, yeah, the man who's brought back from the '60s who has to live in the '90s is funny in and of itself, and it's just rich terrain. You, there's good jokes and clever jokes that can be made from it, and there was, and this. Is not that. This is just like, oh, Austin goes back to the 60s. Cool. And he's just one of everyone. It's it's very weird. It just it doesn't have the same charm, the same excitement that the first one does. The first one felt very fresh. But we should talk for a second about how strange it is that these movies were as successful as they were. And I say that because this is a niche fucking brand. I mean, this is the narrowest of targets for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. It's – who knew that America and I guess a lot of countries around the world were so excited to see a James Bond parody through 60s British humor? Like it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's very sort of why was this so big? That was the thing that I found myself so struck with watching it again, just being like, this movie killed in the theater, and I want to crawl under my couch right now. Well, The Spy of Shagney is a different different story. It's really why... I have not seen the original Austin Powers in a while. Why do people feel International Man a mystery so much? Uh, And sometimes it's these... You know, you see it on Saturday Night Live all the time. Sometimes it's these really kind of obscure references if they're yeah. played perfectly down to the detail yeah. that work. And 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 they and this is what that's what this was. I mean every detail was spot on from the glasses to the teeth to the clothes to the body hair. To Liz um, Hurley. To who we will have to talk about because we get to talk about her. I mean um, again. I'm so blessed that we got to that we're doing a podcast that happened during the heyday of Elizabeth. Liz Hurley. <laughs> And I can't believe we've done, I think, both of her movies now because – I'm going to say something God, though. Geez, I had a, I had godsend. I had a – I think I had a bigger crush on Heather Graham than I did on Elizabeth Hurley. We're, we're certainly going to talk about Heather Graham. I don't fault you for that. She's wonderful. Um, well. She's uh, – she, she's one well, – not in this movie. Not in this movie. She's not wonderful in this movie. She's a, no. she, she's a she, prop in this look, movie. Look, she was roller girl. Yeah. And, you know, in, in our last prop podcast – Podcast, podcast. No less podcast. I mean, podcast. We um, we talked about chill factor and how mm-hmm. you know C- Cuba will forever be Rod Tidwell for me, and right. I will ever I will forever hold a. She'll always be roller girl to you. Always be roller girl, and I mean in the best possible way. Yeah. Like I will, uh, you know, when she showed up in the Hangover after being gone for about five That's years, right. it's like it's like that. oh, she's back, and I love her, and I hope this is good, and I hope this is a bounce back moment for this. Person has such great affinity for. I it liked the first Hangover. You know, I love the first Hangover. Yeah, I'm just, I, I, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I loved it. Um, it's a fun movie. So I, there's there, are, and I like the second Hangover more than I like the second Austin Powers. But we can keep going. Uh, okay. And I didn't like the second Hangover, but like, uh, so there was a whole thing, a whole thing to do about the title of this movie. 
Talk to me. Uh, in terms of how it translated into various countries. Um, I don't know if you read about this. No. Um, I mean, I'm reading about it now. So the term no. shag, as anyone who knows anything, I guess, would deduce, is it means fuck. Uh, nice. <laughs> and <laughs> Jesus Christ. Good work. And so in the UK, it was just called Austin Powers 2 because you couldn't say this why you shagged me. Which yeah, kind of. I'm like, sure. Here's what's better though is that it translates. Oh, you couldn't in say other... the spy who shagged me because in the UK that is the spy who fucked me. Basically, get over yourselves. Well, Go ahead. Fine. In Germany, it translated into the spy in the secret missionary position. It's a good title. Good title. In Croatia, it was the spy who groped me. Uh, not as not not as cool. A little me too. But my favorite is that in China. It was the spy who liked me a lot. <laughs> which just gets so like emo and sad, which the I really love. The spy who liked me a lot. Which I think is fantastic. Um, so there's like, okay, so Mike Myers has talked about the inception of this movie and how this sort of came to him. He stated that the idea of Austin Powers came to him one night while driving home from the ice hockey practice. I love that he's he is so Canadian. There's no one that loves hockey more than Mike Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, and for all his purposes, I'll love him f- for Wayne's World and his love of hockey forever. Uh, he heard this on The Look of Love by Burt Bacharach on his car radio, and he wondered where have all the swingers gone. And that was sort of where Austin Powers was born, if you will. Um, which I think is interesting. You know? Sorry. You never got – Mike Myers never went out of favor for you because he – Definitely did for me, and I love Wayne's Never World. Never went out of favor for me. Never. That's not the best. Most, I don't know. That's not the most eloquent. What, 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 to, what do you what, mean by what, that, though? You never stopped liking Mike Myers. Well, I'm, I'm Mike saying Myers. that Mike Myers will always have a place in my heart because of those two things. He blew it for me, well, probably with this movie, but because uh, I think I, Wayne's World say- and Wayne's World Two are no. I know. What you're, I know what you're saying, but like. I know what you're saying, but but he lost it for me. Like it's he became almost like that night that you get so drunk on Jack Daniels that you can never have Jack Daniels again. Like that's what he kind of became. Like I just I couldn't look at him. Like the idea that I would ever go see the Love Guru, zero percent. Well, here, okay, okay, sure. I, Even I'm, when he shows up in Glorious Bastards, I'm like, why is this happening? Like, well, that's a bigger question, and one that you should be asking because he doesn't belong in that movie, and that. It's just weird. Tarantino from time to time like just throws like weird casting things in there, just kind of like just like why is this person here? But most of the time it works and some of the time it's just like there's this guy that I'm not ready to see in this movie named Mike I, Myers. I mean, I, but go ahead. I think that Mike Myers never didn't really have like a second act or a third act in his career for the, you know I don't think that he I think he's sort of if you think about him as sort of the peak, it's interesting that 54 was before, like 54 is is the year after International Man of Mystery. He was making a real play so he was to like, be like Steve Carell is now. Right. Or what Jim Carrey tried to do. Successfully. For a bit. Um, so he tries to do 54 and it's a disaster. And then Spy Who Shagged Me comes out. It's obviously a big fat hit. He's in Mystery Alaska, which I don't remember him in. And then he does Shrek, and now he never has to do anything ever again because that movie made him so much bank. But that being said, he does Shrek, and he doesn't really do anything. He does Cat in the Hat, which was obviously a big fucking disaster. And then he does The Love Guru, which was an unmitigated disaster. And I think then he just sort of felt like, I don't think people want me around anymore. 
that's the impression that I got. Like people don't like me anymore. And I don't, you know, he's rich. You're you're uh, you're assuming that it came from him. I think it came from audiences. I think audiences well, we're saying the same thing. But I think audiences spit out Love Guru so hard. Like like these I think Love Guru is proof positive that these movies didn't age well. You sure. know, if they that's had correct, aged yeah. well, then people would be interested in the next kind of like like goofball character like they are in every Will Ferrell new. Well, new- can I that's a very good question because I was talking to to my roommate Melissa past and future guest uh and we were i asked her what is the closest equivalent to a mike myers or a jim carrey because that that brand of very broad cartoonish humor doesn't really exist anymore and the closest we came was anchorman Mm -hmm. right i mean that's that's probably the last iteration that's a lot older than i think you think that's that's a more than 10 years old no I'm, i'm i'm agreeing with you okay my point is that the 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 void, if you will, that was filled by the Jim Carrey and the Mike Myers of the world has been filled by ver- the Judd Apatow is sort of hijacked for all intents and purposes the sort of comedy genre. They're not very self-referential. It's now the the you know the Seth Rogans, the 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 James Franco's of the world. There's just very little space now. It feels like, or at least I can't think of someone or or you know that actually fills this this slot. I think Will Ferrell still makes movies that are adjacent to this. But you understand what I'm getting yeah, at, right? No, of like course. this that and I think that part of that is because either audiences have become too smart or too jaded, depending on how you look at it, to be able to embrace something that is so theatrical and silly. Well, it's true because if you look at Anchorman two, massive failure. Not massive, but Well, I don't know. I mean it just didn't do well. Um and it then did fine. And then Zoolander two, massive well, failure. Is, that's waiting too long between sequels, but yes. But sometimes, you know, sometimes that that waiting too long comes back around, and it's something people really want to get. Or a new generation can, can you know, yeah, can and that just it. didn't happen with Zoolander. Weirdly to me, I, I would have expected it to be a bigger cultural moment, but it was almost like a. But it should be said, they're trying to make Austin Powers four. I mean, that's a thing that I is think, that is. I think it would be an. Embarrassment to everybody involved. No, I, I, I don't know. How, I'm not, not even talking about like the, the quality of the movie. Yeah. I don't think people want it. I think that the only way to do it is to remove Austin Powers from the equation. I'll say one other thing. Okay, Wayne's World three would be the opposite. I think people would be down. Oh, people to, would be. Oh, absolutely. People would go see that. People want Wayne's World three. I, I fully agree with so, you. So it's not Wayne's World holds up like a motherfucker. Wayne's World is one of the greatest comedies ever made. It is great. And and the and the the lessons he learned from Wayne's World. It's really interesting to watch Austin Powers and to see sort of the 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 good and the bad takeaways that he took away from from Wayne's World. That idea that like I don't think any of the fourth wall shit works in Austin Powers for me. In Spy Who Shacked Me. Yes, I don't. When he turns to the camera and he's like Burt Bacharach and Elvis Costello, and you're like, well, that's a joke from the first one. No, so, I know, but so I, Burt Bacharach is in the first one, and he's just it's just. A bad, it's a bad studio sequel move, which is like we're going to hit the same note yeah. a little harder. Yeah, but you know, there's I, the yeah. one about the time travel that I actually think works incredibly well. You know, like it's fine, it, but okay, fair but enough, fair enough. It, it's 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 helpful for me. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just like it, I love when I love when a movie basically says just turn your brain off. I, I don't disagree with you. So, but all. I I mean I think that. Listen, I think that the first movie was inspired. I saw the first movie in the theater. 
I'm not really sure why, but I did. Just in terms of like, it was kind of a weird blip of a movie. I did and not. I, I, I saw I it in the theater with a, with a good friend of mine. Yeah. I think I saw it with Evan Hauser, I think. Uh, and we left the theater and we were like, that was funny. That worked. Now, this movie, on the other hand, turned in, it. I remember seeing it in the theater. I remember the summer it came out. And it fucking slayed. It killed in the theater. You think you... And I you, laughed you remember, in the You remember loving it in the theater? Loving's a strong word. Remember I remember liking laughing. it. I remember laughing a fair amount. I think I bought it on Blu-ray or DVD. I really... Um, I know the moment that, that will for... Like, the... I'm out on. I'm just. I'm out on the movie. You, the moment you tapped out of the movie. The moment where I'm like, no, this is not a movie I want to. I I, okay. I want to ride for. Okay. It's Austin drinking fat bastards shit. When Austin drinks fat bastards kind shit. Of nutty. By the way, I am right. He did drink the shit in this movie, right? Yep. Unlike Green Mile, where I thought it was shit eating. But <laughs> this is true. This, this is true. Kenny did think in the Green Mile that it was shit when it was yes, just go back chocolate your, pudding. It was just chocolate. It was a, it brownie, was, it was a brownie. Allegedly, <laughs> I still think it's shit. Why are you saying allegedly? That, oh, I'm, I'm because allegedly, be, be, Phil. Teddy be, and I both saw brownie. Phil, just making a joke. Making a joke. <laughs> just joking around. All right, we can just take it down a notch, buddy. Okay, um, but in this you. movie, uh, I'll get back to the funny shit. Let, uh, let's talk did about. You, do you remember Mike Myers that the shit eating the, shit? Yeah, but do you, did you remember the beaker? It's shaped like a kettle, so he can actually like pour and the it's shit put out next of? to the coffee, which it's is so put next stupid. to the coffee, and it, the label it says "Fat Bastard Stool Sample." Stool sample, and it's fat. Ba- it's it's gross. It's just disgusting, and it's not. And they funny. tell him it's shit, and he smells it, and he puts. I, I can't even talk about it because, like, I know. I know. it's Listen, so it's, it's so gross, and yeah. the whole idea behind it, it, it to me, it's reminiscent of the movie. To me, it's the movie of microcosm, right? Like, basically, <laughs> the scene is they're all in this lab, yeah. and they need to wait for fat bastards shit to get tested to see if anything in the shit gives them any clue about where they might be. Because she put something up his butt. Well, no, they put the something up his butt. They put the hunting device up the butt at the tracker, but he shits out the hunting device, so he's not there. But they also have his shit, right? So that's step two. So like plan B is, well, we, we can't track him now, yeah. but plan B is we have his shit, so let's just test it. Right. So they happen to test it, yeah. and it just so happens that he ate a vegetable that only grows on the island where the volcano lair is. I don't really care about that. Mike Myers goes like, "Why are we even like like the yeah. point is Mike Myers is like, why are we even here? This is all the boring stuff. Not bad, right? And um, it's all right. Not bad. Not bad. It's all the boring stuff. You and more in like Ricky Gervais, but yeah, yeah. In order to get past the borings, the boring stuff, they um, they have him eat shit, and that's the idea. And that to me, that's the movie. Like they didn't have anything that was narratively compelling, so they're like, let's throw all this shit." Against the movie, sometimes literal, sometimes figurative, and hoped that we would laugh. And a lot of people laughed. I, I mean, a lot of people laughed. A lot of people loved this shit. It, it, it did well. Um, here's a synopsis for the people that have not seen Austin Powers' Spider Shag Me. In a while, everyone's seen this movie, unlike Chill Factor. Uh, in his second screen adventure, British super spy Austin Powers must return to 1969 as arch nemesis, Dr. Evil has ventured back to that year and successfully stolen Austin's mojo. 
and set up a powerful laser and aimed it at Earth. With the help of gorgeous agent Felicity Shagwell, the newly single Austin must now not only contend with Dr. Evil, but also Evil's vicious pint-sized attack clone, Mini-Me. You may remember Mini-Me. He had kind of a moment. Now, you know what's interesting? (laughs) He had a real moment. (laughs) Mini-Me was based on another character, you know. What? You would know better than anybody. I don't know what this is. Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, God. The little guy. Oh, really? Yeah, the little guy that hung out with Marlon Brando. For those of you that don't know and, you know. Please. Those of you that are not familiar with Phyllis Coe's filmography. (laughs) Phil Phil sold a show two or three years ago called Moreau. Two years ago. Two years ago, which was an updated version of Island of Dr. Moreau. By the way, like. Not just blowing smoke. It's a brilliant idea, but Thank you. it is. It's and it's 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 a brilliant idea taking that concept and doing what you did with it. Maybe I appreciate that. Maybe someone who's listening to this podcast will actually like sack up and make it. <laughs> sure. But um, but he sold this show, so Phil could really speak to the, the island little, of Mon- the island of time. Well, just, just that the little guy. In the, well, that movie's. I mean. We're, this is not going to become a podcast about the island of Dr. Moreau, but that movie is bat bonkers. Shit. Yeah, batshit. I mean, the making of that movie, there's a documentary about the making of the movie, which I believe is still on Netflix, which if, if you guys are yeah. looking for an insane behind-the-scenes documentary, this is the one to watch. Um, the, I didn't the, know the director, that there was a documentary on Netflix about the making of that movie. You need to watch it. The That's director cool. was kicked off the movie and then and then snuck back on as one of like the crazy – like. Eight people, or like, I don't even know what they were, like the weird, like, um, the manimals. So he put a bunch of makeup on and, like, snuck onto his own set so he could, like, see what the fuck was going on. Uh, I think it's called, like, Bad Omens, or I don't know what it's called. But uh, anyway, uh, that's weird that Mini Me came from that. It's called, I think it was called Lost Soul. That's it, Lost Soul, yeah, yeah. The That's Doom it. Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> there it is. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm you should be watch watching that. that tonight. Uh, so, yeah, Mini Me had a real moment. This movie is just, uh, it's not really a movie. It's not really a movie. It's Great just, point. It's, it's, it's a series of skits. It's a series of skits kind of strung along. Uh, it doesn't, you know, Fat Bastard, why is he, it's, 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 he's really just, it's, it's Mike Myers going back to the dad character from So I, uh, so I Married an Axe Murderer. Because mm-hmm. he's like, well, I do a, I do a pretty good uh, Scottish, Scottish accent. accent, so I'll just do that. Uh, it's yeah, kind DreamWorks of, agreed. They did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then some. Uh, so Fat Bastard doesn't really make sense. Mini Me, all of this stuff just feels like vestiges that they've been like, oh, this will be fun to jam in here, and this will be fun to jam. It, it just doesn't all coalesce into any sort of a story that really matters and it's just punctuated like even the the, just the two of us thing we're like why is this happening like it's just yeah well like so nothing has any real motivation so what this movie does i mean there there are a few this movie's not without merit but there are a few things that it does really well and i think i think you're kind of hitting on it like there are there's a very deep bench of memorable characters in this movie. Sure. Like a very deep bench and yeah. a very deep bench. Ben, there, there, there's a very, you wouldn't say deep bench, but very long list of yeah. memorable bits in this movie for good or for ill. But like yeah. you, everyone remembers the Just the Two of Us thing. Everyone remembers Get in My Belly. Everyone remembers, you get know. Get in my belly. Get in my belly. Every. <laughs> <laughs> this is also the first movie, and I don't know if you noticed this, but I certainly did. I have never noticed pauses 
for laughter. I don't think I noticed that, but I was so embarrassed there, that my seatmate would see me. I was just covering it mostly, so maybe that's what it was there causing. There are a lot of moments where, and most of it's during like when Mike Myers is riffing, where there'll be just a breath, mm-hmm. where they must have tested the movie and the jokes were so fast and furious and that they were rolling over and people weren't catching. So they were, they, there are literally five... 10 second kind of gaps. That's a lot. Where I was like, whoa, are we fucking waiting for laughter here? It's kind of nuts. They probably got it in the theater too. That's what I'm saying. You know, they probably did. Like it was, it just was, it was one of those things slash moments where Austin could have done anything and had the audience rolling. Right. Um, he, he, he was just a character people love. And I personally think that a lot of the goodwill was blown in this movie. Goldmember might have done really well, but um, I, th- I do think that this wasn't a good thing. This almost feels kind of Matrix Reloaded-ish to me in that it did very well, but it also kind of killed the franchise. Like the Matrix of those two movies were good, could be Star Wars right now. Absolutely. So in this I don't know. This, Here's what I would I don't, say. I wouldn't say this, this analogy is a little weird, but we'll, we'll, I'm going to run with it for a That's little bit. That's the fun stuff, though. That's why we do this. Weird <laughs> analogies. Uh, <laughs> the two Matrix movies were made and shot at the same time. True. So Revolutions did not have the ability to be able to course correct in any real way uh, or to learn from the mistakes that might have been made with, with um, Reloaded. Mm-hmm. Say what you will, I do think that Goldmember, they doubled down a bunch, but like and I sent you this morning, I sent you that opening clip which uh, where Tom Cruise and Gwyneth Paltrow and Steven Spielberg and all these – and Kevin Spacey and Danny DeVito. They all show up for like a cameo-laden weird Who's that? Meta. Who was that one you said before, Danny DeVito? He doesn't exist anymore, so don't worry. Oh, OK. I didn't, know, I didn't recognize yeah, no, he, yeah, that. Name's give right. all these celebrities and then you have this, like, like, a guy I've never heard guy, of. Some guy. Some guy that doesn't exist. Uh, so that sequence of Goldmember is, is – Horrendous and should be eradicated from the history. Oh, of I think that's much better than all of Spy Shag Me. I don't agree. Uh, why, th- do you th- why do you think it's so bad? Um, it it feels like- just say what it is real fast for our listeners. Oh yeah, so I'm going to explain. Yeah. yeah. So basically, Goldmember opens with a very elaborate action sequence, and you think you're watching the opening of the movie, and then it is revealed that it is actually Tom Cruise playing Austin Powers and Gwyneth Paltrow playing some Dixie Dixon Normus. Dixie Normus. Dixie Normus. Just rolls off the tongue. Uh, and, and he uh, calls her Miss Normus. He calls her Miss Normus. Fucking funny. Go ahead. And and then. Uh, and then the guy from American Beauty shows up playing Dr. Evil. Oh, yes, that guy. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then Danny DeVito shows up as Mini-Me. Yeah. Throws up the middle finger. Throws up the middle finger. Uh, and he's smoking a cigar. And it, then we punch out and it's Spielberg directing the opening of a movie that Austin, about Austin Powers. They're making a movie about him. Right. Uh, Which is like Scream 3. When they're making like yeah. stab two, I, right? I don't like shit like that. It's I, I, and oh, gen- I didn't know that. Generally speaking, I actually quite like metatextuality. Yeah, I like when things fold in on themselves and like, and and I do love that idea of self-referential. But it's 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 a little bit of a fine line. And if you tip, I get 
it just doesn't work for me. And this is one of – and maybe, truth be told, maybe it has a little bit more to do with comedy versus drama. I don't know. But I watched that opening this morning and I was like, I I feel sorry for these people. So I didn't – I'm not trying to say by any stretch that that's good. No, I know. But just let me finish my thought really quickly, Mm -hmm. which is that I think that Goldmember as a movie – is a better movie than The Spy Who Shagged Me. That's why I, because they had the ability to look at it and be like, listen, you know, this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work. Now they spent more money on Goldmember and, and Goldmember made less money. So ultimately, whatever, you can take that, take from that what you want. But they, they, they really doubled down on Goldmember. They went big. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. And I respect some of the swings in that. This movie just doesn't work across the board for me. I think I thought Gold, so I think, the first movie is brilliant. I think the first movie is it's basically rightfully a classic. Um, I think the second movie is a disaster and I despise it. And I think the third movie is is a little boring, a little more boring and a little disjointed personally. I, I, I think there's some – I think there's some um, – I also think I like the period more. Like the – part of like the – Like disco. Pro- the 70s. Like part yeah. of it is – Part of the reason that the spy who shagged me doesn't work is, as we just said, there's no man out of time, right? Mm-hmm. We're basically just going back with Austin to a period where he already existed. Mm-hmm. Basically. Right. Throwing him into the 70s. Where he never lived. W- right. Up until that point, yes. Yeah, he, well, right. he's, he's, he, you got to see a different – more than anything, you got to see a different period. You got to see Beyonce doing this Fo- Foxy Cleopatra thing, which is – Some people you know, really love that. I, I think that's revisionist history. I thought she was really bad, but – no worse it's, than Heather Graham. I, lo- I watched the trailer for Goldmember this morning, mm-hmm. and the fact that it says introducing Beyonce Knowles is amazing. That is amazing. God. Like her first role. I mean, and, and by the way, she's totally fine in it. She's totally fine in it. And she actually, like, listen, what she gets to do that Heather Graham doesn't get to do, or quite frankly, might not have been able to do, is come across like a badass. Like she works it, she makes it funny. She's able to throw sass around, and it actually works. Cool. You know, obviously it's the whole black exploitation stuff, but still, like I think that they're having some fun with it, and they're they're playing in a different sandbox. Whereas Spy Who Shagged Me just feels like a retread and not a good one. Poor Heather Graham is just not equal to the task. She just yeah. doesn't. She so it she, kind of breaks my heart because she she you know what she doesn't have. She's so pretty, yeah. and she has such an amazing body. And she looks so good in the period clothes and in the moment, right? She feels right in the period. She, she, it's the in, broad in comedy picture. that gets away from her. And the other thing, and like this might sound trivial, but I really think it's a thing. Mm. She can't move. She can't dance. She can't walk. She's she can't very rigid. Run. She, she's, a, she's a, yeah, rigid. She's, she's, she's better in still images. Uncoordinated. Um, there is that. And she also, and I don't know if you noticed this, and I'm sure you did. When she would try to laugh with him, she had the craziest eyes. It seems like she didn't get the jokes. It seems like – so part of it is that Liz Hurley is the straight man, straight woman to Austin in the first movie. So she gets to play the opposite to him. Mm-hmm. And then Beyonce, for all intents and purposes, plays sort of a a very kind of larger-than-life character that is – decidedly different from Austin. So and, there's a there's a interesting chemistry there. And isn't like immediately smitten with him. That's right. another super weird move right. that like sort of immediately subjugates yeah. Heather Graham. 
Um, her character Heather Graham is kind of screwed in this movie. Yeah, she has no no volition. Yeah. She's like, I get yeah. that. Like, part of the joke is that women fall over Austin, and I yeah. I, I get that. Like, yeah, yeah, I appreciate yeah, yeah. that. We could talk about how that kind of ties into the whole yeah. toxic masculinity theme of the year. But yeah, she's um, not done any favors. And then, by the way, it's to, to your point. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, they do such a better job of deconstructing that notion in Bowfinger. Where, oh, right, right. She's in Bowfinger. Where she gets to play someone who's in on the joke mm-hmm. and also the movie is deconstructing that idea of the actress that is sort of manipulated by the director or this, that, and whatever. Like that movie, But that movie is also just like a much higher, smarter movie than she's this movie She's very well cast in that She's movie. great in that movie. She is. She's very well cast. She, what she, what she, and Roller Girl, right? Like. Yeah. Slightly behind the joke. Yeah. Slightly not, you know, like, yep. I, I mean, it's kind of a mean thing to say the dumbest person in the room, but she's kind of the, like, dumbest, sweetest, most innocent, most, even, like, Roller Girl, the porn, the porn star, yeah. um, is still kind of the most innocent person in the room. Until she's not at the end of Boogie Nights, but I know what you're saying. I love that scene, but, like, oh, it's brutal. But it's super earned, you know, it's, oh, it's like, sure, literally, sure. literally, like, eight years after the beginning when she's like, so, are we going to fuck? Um, and then also I, just a job. Yeah. Oh, and then those seen, roller skates, man. Yeah. Those were really fucking hurt to get in the face. I love that. Yeah. It's a great movie. Um, so you're Brandy, right? Right. Did you sit next to me and did we go to high school? Quite, quite the life you've carved out for yourself. Yeah. Brutal, brutal movie. Um, fuck him up. Uh, Felicity was inspired by Barbarella, which is not much of a surprise. There's definitely her look, her costumes, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm very much has that vibe. Um, let's talk Jay Roach for a second. Sure. <laughs> because Jay Roach... One of the more interesting American directors. He is an he interesting is. director. And and a guy who... And this is sort of a weird comparison, but I think you'll sort of get where I'm coming from. I kind of look at Doug Liman and Jay Roach as early Doug Liman until he became a much sort of obviously an action director. There's sort of there there is an electricity to the way that they both kind of make movies a little bit. There, there there's a, a highly kind of improvisational quality to them. Um, there's a self-referential quality to them, and they feel. And this is a, might be a strange word to to associate, but there's like a, a dangerous quality to their comedy, where it feels Some, like sometimes yeah when it's crackling it really works, and when it doesn't it really doesn't. Um, Jay Roach is one of those guys because I was looking at his obviously I was looking at his filmography and it's like I think I actually quite like Mystery Alaska. I think it's actually a really sweet, good movie, good natured movie. Well, we'll we'll talk about it at some point. Is that a ninety nine movie? Yeah. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, it's a hockey movie. Great, we can't wait. That's yeah. going to be great. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, he's just a really warm filmmaker. My he's guess a- is he wanted to do movies like Mystery Alaska. Yes. Right. Yes. Like you, you don't like. That that feels like a passion project. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, continue. Like that's my. I think point. he's. I think he's a really, really. I mean, first of all, I love Recount. I think Recount's great. You know, I, I'm afraid to watch Recount because you might jump out a window afterwards. There, yeah, there are a few of those movies. Recount, Too Big to Fail, like the ones that are about horrible things where we just didn't stop this bad shit from happening. That and I game I, change. Game change is a, is a good thing. Game change, I, I did watch because it has a happy ending. But I, I, I gleefully watched it. I love the moment when Nicole Wallace was like, I can't vote for her. Um, but 
Is it Nicole Wallace? Is that just Sarah Paulson? Yeah, Sarah playing? Paulson plays Nicole Wallace. That's and she so funny. Can't, and she, My brain just like she I totally didn't put that together. That's how cool she, she is. Cries. She's my favorite yeah, she's like, human, Nicole Wallace. Can I say that? Can yeah, I say a Republican? She's great. She's my favorite human. She's fantastic, especially right now where she's like yeah, she fucking. I mean, like to some extent, she was complicit. But what's she gonna do? I don't want to talk too much about it. Complicit in a different way. But I know what you're saying. She, what is she going to do? She's yeah. working for you know one of the most yeah. Yeah. heralded men in the yeah. history of this country. He makes a horrible decision. Yeah. She's tasked with taking care yeah. of this moron, yeah. and then good for her that she didn't vote. But for it her. should also be said too that like, and again, we're not going to go into a rabbit hole of politics here, but there is something to be said for the fact that Sarah Palin is the beginning of what we're in right now. Oh, she's the thing. She's she the, she was the light. She was the lightning in a bottle. She's the thing. Or, she's the you thing know what I mean. That, yeah, that she, she started the whole Tea Party movement. So on some level, I imagine Steve Schmidt and, and Nicole Wallace have to a little bit blame themselves. I think they do for moving. The, I mean, they moved the rock. I think they you know? do. I think like, they do. Well, I guess we got to do this. I don't think they had any idea of how bad it of would be because not. the no, biggest. Of course not. I could talk about this for a minute. The biggest Sarah Palin mistake on their parts, I think, yeah. was I not actually – I love that Austin Powers got us to Sarah Palin. I know. It was not actually vetting her. I don't think they actually <laughs> yeah. had much of a con- – I know they didn't. They didn't have much yeah. of a, They didn't have any time. Much of a vetting process exactly. with her to actually realize what she believed. Exactly. Because like uh, – And had they vetted her, they would have never made her the candidate. Yeah. If you yeah. can get past Troopergate, which was obviously easy for them to get past, she had a pretty decent record in Alaska and she yeah. seemed like a reformer. Yeah. She seemed like this weird, almost Obama-esque firebrand. A little bit. So, she, and by the way, she was. Look at the where the, you know, look at what we, where we are. Like she, there was a, a movement that was birthed through her to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my point and how we got here is that Isn't I do think. Isn't it weird that Sarah Palin's could be a footnote in history? Like based on yeah. where we are now, like well, you, people like you and I will be like, actually, you know, it's her. She's actually, what started this. Yeah, just yeah. like you're like, well, actually, the thing that started the Clinton investigation was the Clarence Thomas thing. Yeah, but but a guy who, by the way, I was reading an article about how someone thinks that Clarence Thomas should be impeached because of the. By the time this podcast comes out, he maybe be. he will be impeached. Be. Bad move for the Republicans. I mean, bad move for the Democrats. Don't impeach anyway, him. Don't impeach him. Keep him in there. Don't get, don't let him Although I'm not sure you can do much worse than Clarence Thomas. In I terms don't want of the, some 42 year old New Gorsuch <laughs> in there. All right, go ahead. So um, we're we're Jay, liberals. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Jay Roach, who I think you should watch Recount. I think you're being silly to not watch it. I guess I can get over it at this point. Uh, it's yeah, because things are so much worse than that could possibly. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I know because I long for the days of Bush. You should. Election. It's it's a really really good movie. Um, and he's, I, I think Game Change is actually weaker than Recount. Um, and I still quite like Game Change. Uh, the problem with Recount, of course, is that it unfortunately stars the person from American Beauty, but we'll just move past that. The guy who was in Goldbum? Uh, Austin Pussy. The guy who was in Austin Pussy. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, but the other thing about Jay Roach is, um, aside from being married to Susanna Hoffs. Yes. Total crush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he made an amazing movie. Oh, like in this period too that we're not even talking about. Meet the Parents is yep. the best yep. studio comedy of the 2000s, full stop. It is – I don't love Meet the Parents. I like Meet it, the Parents, but I don't let love me, it. Let, let me put it this way. I mean I just – I don't you – know. I'll say – I'll put it a little differently. Okay. Meet the Parents is a perfect screenplay. It's a perfect – Perfect, okay. perfect screenplay. Okay. I think it's a brilliant film. I really like Meet yeah. the Parents, but it was not a movie I saw in the theater. I, I saw it. I saw it on video, I think, and I was like, because I remember everyone just being like, "Meet the Parents, Meet the Parents," and I was like, "I don't, okay, whatever." And then I saw it, 
It was like, this was funny, I guess. It just, it's not. Might have, might have been overblown for you. It was a little, I think it got overhyped. Meet the Parents is the movie. Never saw Meet the Fockers. Bad movie. It's almost, you know, Spy Shag Me Ask in that, like, it elevated all the shit that, like, shouldn't have been elevated and and took away all the nuance of. Casting's great, though. Barbara Streisand and Dustin Hoffman, various parents. Who's that? Was that a second person you said? I think he was in Rain Man. Oh, Rain Man. Yeah. Another, another questionable. Potentially, in terms of its depiction Seriously. of, but anyway, uh, all right, we're talking about Austin we're talking Powers, about Austin Powers, Powers but, but but Jay Roach, I do think to get back to that, I do think that Jay Roach is an interesting filmmaker. I think he's done some interesting things. Uh, I do think that Meet the Parents has a classical quality to it, which is I think what you're kind of tapping into, mm-hmm. and and I think that it's a grounded comedy with a big heart, and I think that that's kind of what you're talking about, which is that when everything is said and done, that's I actually right. think that these Austin Powers movies are surprisingly heartfelt. The first one, the. F- Yes, the first one. You you understand my point, though. Of course. I think that Jay Roach is a guy who has a big heart and he wants to do interesting movies. And it's a bummer that he that the Spider Shag Me is about you know poop. farting and pooping and things coming out of it's about poop butts. Anyway, it's just, um, I mean it's 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 made a lot of money. You know what? Like you look at Jay Roach's um, filmography, it's his worst movie, I think. Yep. You know, depending on how you feel about Goldmember, mm-hmm. um, those are I think clearly his his worst two movies. Yep. I think he's carved out a really cool career for himself I think so too. as the go-to guy for these HBO movies, you yeah. know, including all the way he did. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm looking at Trumbo, not an HBO movie, but you know that's yeah. a, that's that's a serious thing. He's, yep. He turned himself from Austin Powers, a guy who has Austin Powers eat shit, into the guy who is who is retelling our recent history, and he deserves our recent political history. Our recent political history. Yeah, I know. You know. I agree. No, I think it's great. Um, so one of the things that I read that Mike Myers said that I think speaks a lot to why this movie feels the way it feels, uh, and I and I, again I don't know if this is attributed to the other two Austin Powers movies, but he said that he believes thirty to forty percent of it was improvised, and that gives the movie a very lumpy, weird feel to it's it like, as well. Zip it. Yeah, you're just like zip it. dot com. dot org. Zip it. Fuck me. One hundred. But like, there are definitely moments where it's just a camera. He's like, just point a camera at me, and I'll do a bit with the chair spinning around. And yeah. you're like, five minutes later, you're like, okay, well, that happened. It's, you know what I mean? It's there's a lot of like, and and this this does stem from sketch comedy. This does stem from sort of his his yeah, improv, DNA yeah. of of you know. And and again, I don't have a problem with improvisation. It's more just that this movie needed. It needed rails, and it just kind of feels like it's careening all over the place a little bit. To me, I don't know how you felt about it, but no, I feel the same way. Um, okay, so let's talk about the. I guess we'll just sort of we'll we'll, we'll bounce around the plot a little bit if you want to call it a plot. Let's but hit, let's hit some highlights. Okay, so the Jerry Springer thing, which is the second movie we've seen where that's kind of a <laughs> yeah. What was the first Green one? Mile? <laughs> So in the Green oh Mile, God. we start oh. with Jerry oh, with, with all the old people watching Jerry Springer to kind of set us in yeah. '99. Yeah, there is nothing more '99 television Jerry than Jerry Springer, yeah. which is gross, and it speaks to. Although just I think how, Jerry Springer himself isn't necessarily a gross guy. I think he tapped into something. Whatever. That's not really what I mean. But okay. like the Jerry Springer show was was a bad oh, a sure. bad thing for us as a society. Yeah, but do you think it's any worse than than the Kardashians or um, something along those lines? Yeah, so it's it's equal. Yeah, it's okay. equal. It's it's you know, I think Jerry Springer. I mean, I I don't think I've ever watched an entire episode of his show. I think that it it it, it obviously taps into our our basest, our most base sort of instincts and and 
it's not good. What's weird to me about it is that, first of all, like so topical, like so just the moment. Yeah. But dates you so fast. You like, know, Jerry Springer is still on the air. He's on baggage. What's that? Baggage? No, no, Jerry, the Jerry Springer show is still on TV. I know, he's also the host of a game show called Baggage. Oh, I don't know, Baggage, but I was, I was sitting at home today watching the Olympics because it's, <laughs> it's a Monday, that's a holiday. And, um, it is a, it is a day where we, where we, we, uh, acknowledge 44 of the presidents 40, that have existed. Yeah, we acknowledge 44 of the presidents. And, uh, <laughs> Jerry Springer just syndicated Channel 5, like noon or something. Shut up. Isn't that crazy? Old episodes? No, I believe that there's still new Jerry Springer show. Wow. I mean, that, okay. Uh, the Jerry Springer thing didn't actually bother me so much the first time. Still there. Okay, cool. Uh, the second time. The, the most recent episode is called Stripper Takedown. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. <laughs> um so the scene goes on a little long and then and the movie does this on two different occasions and both of which kind of piss me off which is it goes back to the well at the end of the movie to something that they thought worked really well earlier mm-hmm. in the movie which it probably did i mean i, I, I it pissed yeah, me it, off too but like it probably it, maybe did. it did yeah. I, I just the the dick joke oh ex- yeah that was that was terrible the extended dick joke that goes on forever feels like it goes on forever uh, and then the Jerry Springer thing, which they go back to uh, during the credits. This, does this movie predate Family Guy? Family Guy predate this movie. Family Guy's before this movie. I don't think so. I think it's mid nineties. I think it happened. I, there, I don't think so. Those are there are a lot of Family Guy feeling type of bits in this. You know these extended takes and let them riff and riff and riff and play the joke until the. The, the length of the joke becomes the joke, or at least that's well, what Well, he talks about that. Guy. So I owned the first uh, Austin Powers on DVD. Yeah. Uh, and on the commentary track, uh, Mike Myers talks about that. He's like, one of my favorite things is doing a joke, getting a laugh, going so long with the joke that you get another laugh. That's the, the card. That's the backing up, going forward, okay. backing up, going forward joke. And that's yeah. why it works so well because you can't believe how long. 98 for Family Guy. So you're so right, right before. So you, that, you can't believe how long yeah. he's willing to stick with that joke. And yeah. it's brilliant. And that's to it me, is. those are the best Family Guy jokes. The best Family Guy jokes are the ones that go on and on. on, on so you're on, just on. like, you're I devoting can't believe you're still three doing this. minutes yeah. to this? You, like, I, the, I respect that type of joke. Yeah. I think it's that the dick joke, to me personally, didn't start that funny. But that's not what it is. The dick joker are new jokes over and over again, and they think they're being funny every yeah. time. And then it's like Woody Harrelson shows up. Yeah. And you're like, Woody Harrelson. That's one giant Woody. 
Yeah. And then Woody's like, uh, I can't believe in you the air. You paid me this- scale to show up for yeah. one joke. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It's th- that stuff. So the Jerry Springer thing and the dictator didn't really work for me. Um, so there's that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mini Me? Oh, I hate Mini Me. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's not my my kind of thing. Right. So you, none, none of the mini me played for you. No, I hate taking it. taking out of the equation the fact that it's kind of offensive to little people. Well, yeah, and I think like kind of deep in my bones, <laughs> I I really hate seeing a character treated that way. Like there's an act, like I, there's just an actor under there, so they treat mini me like a mute, a prop animal. He does. He, he tries. He to doesn't eat even the, have any lines. Well, he, he he can't talk. He tries to eat the cat. He bites Austin's dick. Um, he, he, he somehow knows, he somehow knows enough to know that like giving someone the middle finger is a bad thing to do. He's constantly trying to kill Scott evil, which is, you know what, man? That's a funny, it's it's funnier than I thought. (laughs) No, it's just like, it it, it always made me a little uncomfortable. When you say it all like that, you're like, you know what? This mini me shit's not bad. Mini me becomes such a, and and like, you know, mini me is a pretty fucking funny thing to call him. Yeah. Like right. mini me is funny, yeah. but um, no, I don't. I never felt mini the mini me stuff didn't play for me until Austin's fighting him oh, in the space. So that scene. I hated. See that, that to like, me made oh. me. The reason it makes me laugh is it's just it's just really stupid physical humor, and the idea that Austin Powers is so inept that Mini-Me's getting the jump on him through the entire oh, thing. Oh, I thought it was just like, Mini-Me's just such a great fighter. Well, either way, <laughs> such a, both work. Mini-Me is like, the best. But, but then, like, again, what does it come back to? Well, actually, Mini-Me jumps into his, crawls into his suit, and then he has to shit him out into space. That's the only funny poop joke in it. That's, it, that's so, that's so absurdist. <laughs> it's so elevated. I that like Is it? Mike, elevated yeah, is the, the word you would use? I'll tell you why. Because Mike Myers <laughs> commits to the shitting. In a he way, does. He, he, does in a way he doesn't to have to. Like he, he starts turning red. Yeah, you can see him strain in his face. Which he, he doesn't, doesn't even have to, to shit because he's not even in his body. <laughs> so like it's so silly that Fair actually enough. like that's and like the other thing I laughed at in this movie that's so silly, but I love it. Mm. And this is what the whole first movie was. Was when uh, I hope Heather you're Graham. Say, I hope you're not going to say what I think you're going to say. Well, there's no way this offends you. But, no, it won't offend me. Yeah, but Heather Graham and Austin are like. You know, that typical plot where there's just one inept guard holding them and they're over like a sea of essentially lava. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yes, yes. And Heather Graham, like, you know, Austin comes up with some plan. He's like, we could do this, do that, do that. And Heather Graham's like, or I could just do this. And she, and she shows him his boobs. And he like goes, reaches out to go grab him or whatever. Yeah, he says mommy. Mommy. Or yeah, I guess he wants some breastfeed. Which is weird. And he goes out to like grab them and she moves out of the way and he falls into this, yeah. into this lava. And then they lava. do three jokes about. But the, the what I love yeah. is you like when you fall into lava, you like kind of just decom. De- yeah. just de- he bursts in the flames, yeah. which I love. The it's guy absurd. just bursts in the flames. I, I thought that was great. Then they made three terrible jokes, but like, I do like that she's like, okay, we're done. Yeah, yeah, and I actually don't mind the like the whole three joke thing with Will Ferrell bit that goes on. And on. I do you have to I ask mean, me three times, but uh, I didn't like that. But again, I did like, and I liked it in the first movie. But I did like the. I'm very badly injured. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm going to try to stand. Oh, it's broken. And you just hear all of his legs breaking. Yeah. All of his legs breaking. I, I mean, it I mean, is He does funny. play a guy named Mustafa, and he is in brownface. Yeah. Uh, that part I wasn't into. But I do think that Will Ferrell, I don't know. There's something about Will Ferrell off screen in pain that works. It's funny. Like it, Like that shit's funny. 
There's funny stuff in the movie, like <laughs> like everything, you know. But I and I don't I don't personally think the fat bastard get my belly stuff is, but like the because it goes Ugh. where I don't like it. But his first line is like basically, I'm so bad, I ate a baby. Mm. That's funny. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> like this is like you don't it want to fuck with me, I eat babies. And there is something about what is the line. I eat because I'm unhappy, and I'm unhappy because I eat. That's actually like that's the best part of the movie. I'm not kidding. That's the best part of the movie when Fat Bastard has this emotional moment at the end of the movie. He like breaks down in front of Austin and Heather Graham, and and he just he's like, I eat because I'm unhappy, and I'm unhappy because I eat. Like that it works. There, there, those are the moments that I would have loved yeah, no. if that was if that filled out the movie. But the gross. And stupid because like the Will the Will Smith just the two of us thing is just stupid. Yeah, um, it's, it's too much. It's not. It's too much. But uh, I also really, really didn't like the sex scene between Felicity and Fat Bastard. It was disgusting. I also really, really didn't like the sex scene between Doctor Evil and Frau. Oh, uh, see, I thought that was kind of funny. Oh uh, well, you know, not for me. You but, didn't think him him drinking one for me, one for my homies? No, that's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's it's, not a joke he should be making. But I, I listen. I'm but, not saying he should. It. I'm just saying that it's it's absurd. I think that the character of Doctor Evil is so absurd that he's willing to let. I don't know. Yeah, no. It's, I think it, it's I not think, the most. It's not the most um, offensive. It's and, not the most offensive. But the two of them. Here's what I did like. Th- their scene where they have sex. You know, racist jokes aside, I thought was fine. It's the scene after the next it's morning good. when things get awkward between them. That's Mindy Sterling. That's like she's really, a pro. It's like it got weird. She's, she's like, a it pro. Weird. Like it got weird. you know, and it's not. It, she she just knows how to how to sell that shit. Mike yeah. Myers knows how to sell shit, and that's the fun stuff. Like to me, yeah. like like that's the fun. Like there's been a lot of TV shows, particularly on like Comedy Central, where yeah. you'll have like weirdos in an office you know i don't mean like workaholics yeah. i mean like like there was that animated show which is like the like hell's waiting room right 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 which right, was right, just right. about like these like demons who had to deal with like tps reports uh-huh. and i think that shit's funny to me like right. i think like i love the idea that like you know in a world populated by demons like you still gotta pay taxes so like, right you still gotta figure that shit out right and i like that i like that you know in, in even in dr evil's you know evil office essentially like there's still gonna be some weird office romance workplace shit and so that's like there's good here there are very talented people in this movie that are doing some fun stuff over the course of this conversation I am liking this movie more than I ever had so my number is going to be higher than I anticipated I think think part of it is the fact that when you're sitting there watching it you're really hit with how much doesn't work yeah but then when you actually sit down and you're like, you know what, there isn't it's not all bad. Uh there is some there is some fun stuff. Seth Green's really funny in this movie. He's great. He he's just great. Because he plays he he only plays the character yeah. that works, which yeah. is you know, there was a whole show that was that that was take that would take off of this idea. It was called Frisky Dingo. You ever see Frisky Dingo? Yeah, Frisky Dingo. It's like it's a uh, Matt Adult Thompson. Show. It's, it's the guys yes. that did Archer. It's yes. uh, Adam Reed and Matt Thompson. Who I may or may not have developed once. Um, Weirdly what, mysterious. What? 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 No, I did. It was I know. Murphy's Law. Pretty yeah, exciting, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it didn't go. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> like everything else. Um, but uh, Frisky Dingo is an yeah. amazing show. It's essentially about this villain named Killface and his really not great relationship with his son. 
who's named like Lloyd. Um, uh-huh. And that that idea is that's a Scott Evil, Doctor Evil dynamic. There's nothing Scott could do to be evil enough for Doctor Evil. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I think him- it's also Scott is the audience. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of just fun in him being like, dude, kill him now. Yeah. Why are you giving him a chance to get away? Yeah. That stuff is great. He's like, so, dude, you yeah. just stole that from Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that's the death that's, star. So it's it's in that respect, it's fun. And I think that they have they have some great um chemistry. Uh the other sort of thing that the other thing that drove me crazy, the silhouette gag. That felt like it went on for all of eternity. The one where she's pulling shit out of his ass? And putting shit in his ass. It's a bad joke. And then pulling shit out of his ass. It's a bad joke. And then putting shit in his ass. Who's that guy who played number two? Rob Lowe? No, not Rob Lowe. The, Robert Wagner? No, he doesn't exist anywhere either. Right? Robert Wagner? Yeah, he killed Natalie Wood. Well, maybe. We don't know. I think, I, think we decide, I think they decided like last week he did, right? Well, they decided that it's definitely possible. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Isn't it crazy? You watch any movie now. It's like, well, yeah. right, this guy raped someone. Yeah. This guy groped someone. And yeah. in this movie, this guy might have killed someone. Yeah. So, sorry. Not just someone. One Natalie of the most beloved film actresses <laughs> of all time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the silhouette gag, I just, I, I guess I'm just, I, I don't know why this movie is so obsessed with people's butts. I just don't get it. It's very childish. They, well, the movie starts with a Bob's big boy giant thing in uh-huh. space and then Dr. Evil comes out of its butt in a pod and like an egg and I'm, I mean I literally yes, wrote in my notes <laughs> no, like, I know I know, I know. I mean, as soon as the ass opened up and the egg came out I knew this would not go well for me <laughs> it's gonna that's gonna be on your tombstone as soon as that <laughs> But then immediately Liz Hurley. Well, let's run through the pilot, the plot real yeah, fast. Real immediately fast. Liz Hurley comes in, and it's like, okay, everything's perfect again because you know God's or most, is it God's most perfect creature? I love the way they retconned her out. I actually think that's it's really kind funny. Of genius. Yeah. yeah, they made her a fembot. Yeah, uh, they had her spontaneously explode. Yep. And um, I love the fact that how did I not notice that your boobs were guns? And she's like, try foreplay next try time. Try foreplay next time. Like, it was a, note. Yeah, good it was note. great. <laughs> and then he goes, oh, Vanessa's dead. Which means I'm single again, and then you get the whole da 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 and this and this one they go back to the well of like hiding his dick with with various things, but like that was such a good joke in the first one. Yeah. Never seen it before. Fine, you want to do that for, this title do that for the title sequence? Go crazy. So, which was fun, uh, and then basically, they he's pretty he's sent back to sixty seven. Yeah, well, he sent back to 69. So he was right. frozen in 67. Right, he goes back to 69 because that's when they steal his mojo. That's when they steal his mojo. And we know that because... They've well, told us. They tell us. They tell us straight up. Michael yeah. York tells us straight up. But basically, like, they put him... They, Michael York sends him on some spy mission. He's supposed to find a Russian spy who's a model played by, I believe her name is Kirsten Johnston or Kristen Johnson. Kristen Johnson from Third, Third Rock, Rock of the, the Sun. Sun. Um like every other woman. Oh, yeah, the models and the scene annoyed me. Well, Rebecca Romaine is in it. She's, Love her. She's funny. She should have been the model. You know, she should have she been. She should have been Felicity Shagwell. No, she would have been a great Felicity Shagwell. I have a better Felicity Shagwell. Who is your Felicity Shagwell? I think Elizabeth Banks would have just destroyed that role. I don't know if she was relevant enough at the time, but she's probably right around the same age. Yeah, she would have been great. She would have been great. Um, I feel like that, that would have been cool. But you said Elizabeth Banks, but in my head I heard Elizabeth Berkeley. 
Oh, uh, whatever. No. <laughs> Part of that is because I think I just listened to the Showgirls episode of Blink. Great episode. It was a great episode. Oh, or you know who else would have been great? Just because I wish she was in everything. Elizabeth Shue. Recently watched Adventures of Babysitting. She's great in it. Elizabeth Shue's great. She's amazing. Yeah, she's great. She's Bradley amazing. Whitford, also great in that. That, that movie's great. It's like great. up and down the cast, that movie, like they do such a good job with that movie. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> now that we've... Okay, so we have the model scene. Uh, then Dr. Evil steals his mojo. And so Fat Bastard steals the, steals the mojo. Sure. Working for Dr. Evil. Yeah. Um, Can we just say, though, with, stealing the mojo is kind of clever. Stealing the mojo is kind of clever. Like I, that, as, as, the, as the impetus of the movie, and it's not, not terrible. And it's not actually the impetus. So the actual impetus of the movie is Dr. Evil went back in time Right. To steal the mojo, but also to blow up the world. Right. Right. So Austin has to go back. It's not just self-centered. He has to go back and save the world. Right. And get regain his mojo or else he can't have sex because he can't get it up with Kristen Johnson. And he's Um, embarrassed. He's humiliated. So we've all been there. So So he goes back to uh, to 69, two years after while Austin is still frozen. So you don't have the issue of two Austins. You right. know, and they, right. they they pack that away very quickly. Cleverly. Yeah, they, they really you know, Austin tries to figure it out. Michael York is like, don't think about it too hard. And you, the audience member, don't think about it either. And we just, and we just move past with it. it. Inside a uh, relatively recently remodeled VW Beetle, because I remember around that time it had just come out. There's a lot of product placement in this movie. Yeah, but weirdly, I read that Starbucks didn't actually get any money for their Really? Or pay for it. How about AOL? Don't know. How about... VW. I, I, I don't know. There's I, one more. About yeah. Virgin Atlantic. I don't know. Right, go ahead. Uh, but Starbucks. <laughs> Star, Continue. I'm just, I, I just remember seeing the Beatle in this and being like, oh, I remember when that was, I remember those being really fun. So the reason there's a Beatle is because that is Austin's time machine. Mm-hmm. Dr. Evil had a different time machine. He goes yeah, back Austin's, with Minnie Mae. Yeah, Austin's is a tie-dyed. Tie-dyed Beetle. Beetle. Good as any. Good as a DeLorean, right? So, <laughs> fair enough. Good as a DeLorean. Um, I actually didn't hate the. So he gets to, he goes to. That's also weird. He he drives the Beetle, which is a time machine, into a party, just like into the party. Right. Yeah, no one seems even remotely phased by this, but 60s, whatever. Bro. Sure. Uh, and then there's an assassination attempt on Austin. Yeah. Almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, that Felicity helps thwart. She does. Uh, I found the using the woman as a human shield several times pretty funny. funny. I thought that was funny. That was uh, that was a lot of China from the first movie. Oh, was playing it? a different role. Okay, um, she was funny. Yeah, she was funny. Like I thought. I, I mean, again, stupid, silly gags. But her being like the fall will kill us, and then him. Oh, I loved that. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Like I mean, this is the thing. Like the movie's not. It's not totally devoid of laughs. No, it's not. That's funny. I it's agree. funny. Yeah, and and Heather Graham is in that scene. That's where we meet her. That's where she we kind of reveals herself to be. I think a, a spy. CIA agent ish thing. She's know. an American. She's she's a honeypot. She, I mean, there's like fucking. There, it's <laughs> this is so stupid, but like there are Lolita vibes in this. Um, she's young in this movie. She's young, and I I, I don't really mean like the underage thing, but Lolita. One reading of a Lolita is about Europe's relationship with America. 
mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, Europe's is. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Europe's is, you know, old, intellectualized, set in its ways. America's young, sexy, mm-hmm. vibrant. Um, maybe these two things shouldn't be as close as they are, right? I see what you're And there saying. is kind okay. of this, like, if, if, you know, Austin represents, like, you know, kind of swinging 60s Europe, Heather Graham represents, like, free love America, right? Free love hippie America. Sure, that makes sense. And, you know, they're an interesting marriage in their own way, as they prove to be in real life, right? In real life, these two things mm-hmm. came together, British, British wave, um, is that what you call it? British New Wave? Brit- no, not British New Wave. British, British invasion. invasion. British British Invasion and kind of American hippie music kind of came together very yeah, yeah. very clearly at Woodstock and yeah. then kind of became the same thing yeah. in America. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like what you could be doing with these two things. That didn't happen, mm-hmm. but there is an idea there. I agree with that. She is the right avatar for the moment. I agree. And I think, I mean, I can't, truthfully, I can't blame Heather Graham for casting Heather Graham. Well, not even that, but just because I don't think that she's necessarily at fault. I don't think they wrote the role very well. No. I would actually say that of the three female leads that exist in the series, she's the one that's the most short shrift. I think that they just didn't really know how to – they just didn't empower the character in any real way. I mean it's 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 kind of deplorable what they did with her. The whole fat bastard scene is just such a – they just don't care about her character and they're just kind of – they're just not being fair to her. So that mixed with Heather Graham being probably in a little bit over her head, you know. They, 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 or at least just not maybe suited for the role. This was emblematic, um, emblematic of a different time more than most things we see, which is basically like Michael York tells her, yeah. go fuck fat bastard, right? What, yeah. he, what he specifically says is uh, by any means necessary. Yeah. Get this tracking device on Fat Bastard by any means necessary. And that rings in her head as she's about to do it, by any means necessary. He's telling her to go fuck him, right? You yeah. never would do that today. You, you'd figure out a clever – even if you were doing go fuck him, you do it in an American's kind of way where it's clever. Yeah, where, yeah, you know, yeah. For, where she has the upper hand on him in some way and she's able to actually sort of manipulate the situation in a way to – Like Carrie Russell to, does to every time, her right. I mean, listen. This even is even when Carrie totally Russell different. is like sleeping around to get her shit done. Mm-hmm. She's always in charge. Yeah, and that's anyway. not the case here. So, uh, where were we? How sad! I just want to. Know, how sad is it that like it rings in her head again? Like I know, like her boss being like, "Fuck him!" Like, and she's like, oh, "I guess I gotta fuck him." My boss is telling me to fuck him. Like, that's gross. All right. So she. It's also a. Physically repulsive scene with fat bastard like eating, eating chicken. He's got grease all over him. He's just it, it's it's. Is he still wearing his hat? No, well, he's not even wearing his hat. Oh, I thought he was like wearing his hat in bed. Okay, so so you got fat bastard, but that's not what we're talking about. So basically, yeah. like Austin goes back. Yeah, he falls yeah. out of the window with yeah. a lot of vagina, and and then he takes off with with uh, Heather Graham, and then. Um, and then they basically – is that when they have like – I think that's the Burt Bacharach, uh, Elvis Costello scene. So they Shortly basically fall in love. They fall in love. Very quickly. Very quickly. Uh, then they have the drive around the hills of California, uh, which he says – Yeah, looks at the camera essentially like, and says yeah. doesn't – it's funny how much London looks like Southern California. Los Angeles, Southern California, yeah. Uh, so that happens. Uh, and then they encounter the Will Ferrell situation and they get some information out of him, uh, which is where his base is, I believe, where Dr. Evil's base is. 
Um, yeah, that, that, what he reveals is that, um, there is a volcano layer. Not okay. where it is. Okay, fine. But that what you're looking for is essentially a volcano layer. So. Yeah, yes. So they get that information from him. And then where do we go from there? I'm, I'm drawing a blank. So what happens is, you know, Mustafa gets shot by Mini-Me, who's like kind of hanging out by a <laughs> With car. a dart. That, that's when we have the whole scene with him breaking his leg. Um, and then, like, there's – you have Austin back at whatever kind of facility he is, and he, like, identifies Fat Bastard, right? Right, right, right. No, that's what it is. He, he figures out the mojo thing, right? Yes, he figures out that it's Fat Bastard who, yeah. who stole the mojo. Then we cut to, like, Dr. Evil where, like, yeah. Fat Bastard shows up. And then we have – that's where, like, Get My Belly comes from. Get that's belly. Like, it's the first scene, first time you see Fat Bastard, and like, you know, I'm not gonna fucking do a 180 for the positive on this guy. <laughs> okay, good. So, uh, like, a, a character like that would never, ever play today. Like, the joke is that he's fat and repulsive. His name is Fat Bastard. Why would his parents do that? Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, so then, um, then basically, oh, Felicity wants to have sex with him, and he doesn't. He can't because he can't. Yeah, he doesn't because he, she thinks he's like the, doesn't um, like him, but like he eventually reveals that he can't because he right. lost his mojo. And that's the line: "Does this feel good, baby?" And she says, "Lower," and he says, "Does this feel good, baby?" <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> well, that's Austin making a joke, which is, which was something I always liked about the character that Austin made these like silly little jokes. Yeah. So. I agree with that. Uh, so then um, she doesn't know why he doesn't have sex with her. And that's why she does the whole fat bastard well, that's, situation. I don't know if that's why. But, but it's why she doesn't feel as emotionally attached to him, which yeah, is also she, weird she's in, in its own right. She's in a bad place. Um, and she's trying to to it's weird. move into her job. The job portion, yeah. and the job portion is the, job portion. the thing we have spoken about a lot. Yeah. And now this is, this is this, the, the section of the movie. That kills it for me. You go from the fat bastard sex scene yep, to the yep. toilet scene where he's yep. shit out the whole device. We're in poop town now. Yeah, they're just gross. And then you go to the scene where Austin eats shit. Yep. Um, just, and then you yeah. go to me banging my head against the wall. It goes. It, it, we, there's definitely a, a section of this movie at this point where you're just like, ugh. And then also you have. Uh, that's when they go to the lair. You got the silhouette gag. You got all that sort of stuff. Then they get caught and they're imprisoned and that's how you get the whole what you were talking about the guy falling in the lava and one of the things like that we, we didn't say but like dr evil's plan is very simply put a laser put a giant laser on the moon yeah and blow up Earth. i don't remember what the catalyst or the reason for the just the two of us scene was he just starts singing it for no apparent reason i think it's to make scott feel bad about himself but oh. but Rob Lowe and okay. like Rob Lowe and Frau are just dancing to it. It's weird. Um, yeah, but, it's weird. I didn't. I mean, it's the 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 <laughs> the rap part is kind of funny. Eh, it's not as funny as it should be. Fair enough. Don't you think? Like, it's not. I that don't think easy it's. To, I mean, let me re- let me rephrase like, that. I th- I not think that, that the lyrics that. themselves are kind of clever. Yeah. But anyway, um, so then they get captured. And if I'm not mistaken, Heather Graham dies, and then he goes back in time to save her. So, <laughs> does she die? Not really. Like okay. what? What I think happens is basically like 
All right, we're skipping a couple of stu- stu- steps, but whatever. Like Austin is Heather Graham goes like goes rogue and like tries to solve the problem and she gets caught. Right, okay, okay. And Austin is presented with, you know, like a very typical Batman Forever esque decision. Like save your girl yeah. or save the world. And Batman Forever it's like save fucking Robin. But like it's it's either right. save Chase Meridian or save Robin. And this Chase Meridian. Yo, you feel that right? Yeah. You remember that? that a uh. lot. I like I like oh that God. name so much. It's so ridiculous. I wanted to name like a daughter Chase. Chase is a good name. Oh, Chase Doctor Chase Meridian. But Chase Meridian is stupid. I anyway. wish Batman Forever was like better, fifteen percent better. It like it didn't need to be much better, but like it was so close. It was close, like so close. I rewatched it recently, and I was like, this movie's not a total disaster. No, it's not. But it's also hard. To not be like, this movie's not great either. Anyway, so close. So Austin so, is given a similar save the world, <clears throat> save your girl. Similar paradox, right? And he chooses to save the world. Yeah, but he also figures out that he can also go back in time and send all like ten minutes ago Austin to go back and save the world. And at this point, like this movie becomes a total clusterfuck. Yeah, at that point, I'm like, I don't know what's what happening. is happening. You stop. You stop paying attention. Yeah, your brain kind of starts to melt. About um, I think she does die. Actually, she but does. Like, she does. Yeah. But but he but he has the ability to go back and like that's it. Like <laughs> that's the flick. Well, he goes back. Well, it's not because now there's two Austins, right? That exist. So one has to like go through the stage, and, and then drown. the last joke of the movie is, "I guess they both get to fuck her now." You didn't get that joke, <laughs> the prestige. Um, <laughs> oh wait, I, I'm sorry. I so what, you have to go through. The, forget it. Um, <laughs> yes, they yeah. both fuck. He has Greg. to kill him. He has to kill himself over and over and over again. I fucking love that movie, and I love that. <laughs> so I, I love that idea. Yeah. Do you like that better, or you like the Christian Bale reveal? Oh, I much prefer the have to kill himself over and over and over again. So, the Christian Bale reveal is is feels a little cheap. You think you knew? Did I don't you? think I knew, but when the reveal happened, I was like, well, of course. Which is the problem with any magic trick when they tell you the reveal. Except the the Hugh Jackman having to kill himself over and over again is like, yeah. this is the coolest thing. It's the worst. And I never knew if I was going to be the man in the box or the man on the stage. It's great. So, it's the, that movie's fantastic. Better than Austin Powers, The Spy That Shagged Me. It's too bad we just missed Memento. Um, we did. We missed. A, we don't have a Nolan movie in '99, unfortunately. What was that? He made one movie before Memento, following, but I don't believe that was '99. I believe it was '98. Yeah, too bad to say. Um, but yeah, so he, you know, he, that's it. The end of the movie is 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 what you said. Like there are two Austins. They both get. They both go to '99. Or there's '99 Austin, and there is '69 Austin. They both are in '99. Yeah. They uh, they both they're gonna have a menage a trois with Heather Graham and like they're aware of what they're doing right they're aware of like because well, it ends with the last line before I Jerry know. Springer is paging Doctor Freud I know so it that idea not that they should have gone any further with this two awesome thing but <laughs> that idea in, in and of itself is almost interesting to me on a Mike Myers level like is Mike Myers aware of how up his own ass he is no, I think he's not I've well, heard. I've heard things. Oh, I think he might be because of that one line, but. Yeah. I think I, I – he seems like a very interesting guy, uh, Mike Myers. And, it, and, and I do feel like, like he's trying to, to get back into the into – the, like you've got this gong show thing that he's been doing recently. Yeah, I don't know. Like the, I don't know what that is. That feels so that weird That bugged to me, me out so much. I, I, so I don't know what he's – I don't know what the end game is for that. I don't know if he's trying to – 
get this character to be in a place where he can make a movie about him. For those who aren't aware of what's going on with the Gong Show, please tell us. ABC me. rebooted the Gong Show. Yeah, like they rebooted Match Game mm-hmm. with Alec Baldwin, or they rebooted, I believe it's twenty five thousand dollar Pyramid with yep, Michael yep, yep. Strahan, right? But yep. they rebooted it with Tommy Maitland. Mm-hmm. And Tommy Maitland is presented on ads as British, you know, like a British comedian, famous yeah. British comedian, beloved British comedian, Tommy Maitland. And it is like an obvious Mike Myers in Kate on makeup doing this Austin Bowers accent. So doing yeah. a little more upper class version of the upper, uh, upper crust version of the Austin Powers accent. Yeah. And it bothered me. It yeah. bothered it's me. Funny. It's not funny. And it's not, it's not nice. Like, I just don't like that. Like it's, I, I, it feels like gaslighting almost. It's yeah. like, guys, like, are you trying to pretend that I don't know what's happening? Are you yeah. trying to pretend it's not Mike? Because it was not Mike Myers in any of the pressing, any of yeah. the press. Yeah, like they didn't even admit it was him publicly until yeah. this season. So I'm beginning to. It's interesting because I was sort of as you were talking, I was thinking about um, why Jim Carrey was able to make the transition briefly, as it might have been where Mike Myers wasn't. And I'm wondering if a lot of it has to do with the fact that Mike Myers' characters are, like there's actual like makeup involved and there's this, there's sort of this hiding behind stuff. So the characters don't feel real or lived in. But you could say that for um, Jim Carrey too. I don't agree. Well, the mask I mean, is obviously made Sure, up. and the Grinch. But, but like, no, it goes beyond because it's not like over the top, but I wouldn't say Wayne's World is over the top, right? So you have like – that's the only – that's – I mean you've got Wayne's World and you've got So I Married an Axe Murder, which are both grounded comedies where he's not hiding behind makeup. Mm-hmm. I, I guess my point – the reason I'm bringing this up is what is making Mike Myers feel irrelevant right now, quote unquote, is the fact that – it doesn't feel like there's anything for us to hold on to. They just feel like these sort of sketch characters that are just kind of like floating away. Like on some level, I, if he just wrote or started another So I Married an Axe Murderer, I bet it could be a hit. It's a really interesting point about Mike Myers because when you actually look at his filmography, So I Married an Axe Murderer is – aside from 54. Yeah. So I Married an Axe Murderer is the only – It's an outlier. It's the only movie where he played a guy. I know. I know. Um, and he probably should have tried to play a guy more often because he's th- he's a g- Wayne's World, which will ultimately be the thing. Probably Wayne's World and Austin Powers will be the two things that he'll be known for. It'll be on his tombstone or it'll be in his obituary, whatever. Right? Wayne's World is such a more it's a real person. Mm-hmm. Austin Powers doesn't ever really come close to being a real person, even existing in a real universe. Wayne's World is a movie that's shot on practical locations with people, and it's it feels real. But I think if you said name a Mike Myers movie to a person on the street, Austin Powers, you're saying Austin Powers. Yeah, I know. And he, so the success he's had with Austin Powers, yeah. has undercut him. I agree. Um, I agree. And and, 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 and uh, you know, like it's funny because that that's not the case for, um, let's say Eddie Murphy, right? Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy's Austin Powers equivalent is the Nutty Professor. Sure. And then the professor is a very good movie, and he's very good in he's it. He's very good in it, and um, it feels like a real person. Yeah, it's it's Nutty Professor is like not quite the same thing, though. They're like Nutty Professor is a pretty good analog to Austin Powers, right? It is, but don't you think Eddie Murphy makes these characters feel real under the makeup? But I think Austin did in Austin. I think Myers did in the first Austin Powers. Okay, but Fair when enough. you think of Eddie Murphy, you don't think of Nutty Professor. 
You well, think of no, Beverly Hills Cop, right? Or a plethora of other movies. Plef- right? Plethora. But what, what, what else? Trading Places. Trading and Places, 48 Hours. 48 I mean, even, Hours. Even Bowfinger. These, I mean, for me, it's, for me, it's these, these high-watermark sure, sure, 80s sure. comedies that he basically like – Knocked in, out of the park. Invented. You yeah, know, like he, yeah. he invented like yeah. the, the, the comedic – Totally. Action comedy. Yeah. Um, and Eddie Murphy is – Eddie Murphy has um, – Continued on yeah. in a way that Austin never does. Like Austin, I'm sorry, I keep calling Austin. Mike, Mike Myers, Myers could never have played that Dreamgirls role, right? Wait, well, that's what 54 was. That was years yeah. before, but like yeah. all, he that was his attempt. That movie is that also, was in the middle. That, I mean, right. that was in the middle of his, like his rise, like and that was an attempt to be to like uh, have like a Truman Edgy. Show, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But like he never could have done. It was like his end of his career, from like now. Boogie Nights sort of role. Yeah. I say that. I say that's Dreamgirls. Is is Burt Reynolds like fifty four? Is like the fifty four is like Steve Carell and Foxcatcher to me, or like Steve Carell and Big Short to me. And Steve Carell's been able to do it because Steve Carell's a better actor, and he didn't like turn himself. I don't know. I think it's interesting. You talk about Dreamgirls and Burt Reynolds and Boogie Nights, right? Both of those were two roles that everyone was like, "Well, they're definitely winning Oscars for those roles," and then they both fucked it up by biting the hand that feeds them. And what? being jerks and making it seem like they were better than the movies. Who beat uh, Reynolds? Do you remember? Yeah, it was uh, Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. That's not that crazy. No, of who course be- not. Who beat Eddie Murphy? I believe it was Alan Arkin in uh, Crazier in Little Miss Sunshine. That's a surprise to me because that's not really an iconic role. No, <laughs> but but Adam Arkin's great in that movie. Alan Alan Arkin. Sorry, Alan Arkin is great in that movie. He is, and and he is, and Alan Arkin brings something to movies. And Eddie Murphy, by the way. Very good in Dreamgirls, but also sort of like not really stretching himself. No, no, you, know but you I mean? hadn't like, seen him like that in a long time. Sure, but you know what? I mean, Guy's I'm, so fucking talented. Like, and he, he just and yeah. apparently just gives zero fucks and doesn't care to reinvent himself in any real well, way. Well, you know, you know what lost him that movie. It wasn't that he was an asshole. You remember what lost him the movie? We lost him that that Oscar. Uh, no, remind me because Norbit came out. Oh, that's right. Yes, Norbit, everyone's of like, course. we can't give it to Norbit. Yeah, I know. That's why they thought Jupiter Ascending was going to kill uh, Eddie Redmayne for uh, Theory of Everything. Oh yeah, it's, it, weirdly, Jupiter Ascending just didn't have a big enough uh, impact. A big enough impact. It didn't have Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. I like all Jupiter these ads. But anyway. Um, but anyway, this is all a long way of saying that Mike Myers, for whatever reason, has not found a way to sort of to come back into the zeitgeist. Do you think he back- will? I don't know if he wants it enough. Like this gong show thing feels so like weirdly. I'd say that uh, is exhibit A for the <laughs> for the defense. He clearly wants back and he's he's willing to do something. But that's crazy. A, but it's so weird. It's so weird and so left field that I'm not sure that it's working for people. It's it, it's not even like every now and then it'll like pop up on the, on on a internet thing or whatever, and I'm like, oh right, that's happening. Yeah, he's like it's just. He's somewhat relevant-ish. Ish. But he could have been easily, if he just played his cards a little differently, he yeah. could have been Adam Sandler right now. Sure. He could have been doing a movie sure. every year that there was a big audience yeah. for, but I think he burned people out. I agree. So let's just do one thing real quick before we do our 0 to 99. Talk about the soundtrack. I was going to say, this movie has a soundtrack this we can talk about. This movie has a real soundtrack. Um, Madonna's Beautiful Stranger. Mm-hmm. Big song. It's also a good song. It is a good song. It's a big song. Uh and it happens for her. This is right after Ray of Light. Is it right after? I believe it is. I believe Ray of Light is ninety eight. Um, Ray of Light 
is a brilliant. It's a great album. album. It's a great album, and it and it it, it reinvented her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it put her back on the map. It's an album that holds up today. In fact, there's I think it's it's approaching or has just crossed its 20 year anniversary. So there's been a lot of articles written about it. Yeah, but uh, so Ray of Light was 98, 98. Then and she does music was 2000. So it's in between. Right, so right, right in between, and you can sense music a little bit on in this song. Mm-hmm. But it's a great song. It's a fun video. You know who directed the video? I do. I can't say his name, but I know. Brett Ratner is the person. Oh, that I don't know who that is. You don't know the person? I don't know that guy. <laughs> is, he real, is he a real person? He was. Crack, uh, crackle thought he was. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I actually think it's a fun video. Uh, and it's a fun song. I also think the um, Lenny Kravitz cover of American Woman was also a really big song. It was. And you know what? That's a cool video. It's a cool video. Um, it's the right guy to cover that. It's the right guy to cover it. Uh, the R.E.M. song is actually really fun. And there's a song on this album that I was weirdly obsessed with called All Right by this band called The Lucy Nation, which never made another song, never made an album, never did anything. I'm not trying to put you on the super spot. super weird. Don't know the song. You got to sing it for me. I'm never going to sing you, it for you. You got it? No. Nah, right, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know it if I tried. Uh, it doesn't matter. But the point is, it's a good song. And it's a song by a band that just disappeared off the face of the earth. Soundtrack mm-hmm. sold over one million copies in the United States and was certified platinum. And a second soundtrack was also released with a bunch wow. of other covers uh, and original songs and what have you. But yeah, it was just a. I remember it being a big soundtrack. Um, that was the moment for obvious reasons. It was I mean, kinda, Madonna. And, yeah, things happened back then, like Madonna. Who was <laughs> things happened back then? Who was like, like Madonna. The, yeah, who was like one of the biggest stars in the world. Yeah, who would do us do one song for like. No value judgment, like an like an ostensibly stupid movie, mm-hmm. and this is not a stupid song. No. Beautiful Stranger is a good song. It's a good song, um, and has very little to do with the movie, but the vibe is right for the movie. The vibe is totally perfect. It actually, lent, it lent, made the movie a little bit cooler than it, it was. absolutely did. It absolutely as did the American Woman cover because, like Lenny Kravitz, yeah. kind of was cool personified. No, this soundtrack gave is. it a legitimacy in, a, in an interesting yeah, way, which did. I think is fun. And then obviously you have the the just the two of us on the soundtrack as well. Um, it's interesting. It's I mean I think it's I, I it's it's a soundtrack that makes the movie better. Totally, which is rare. This is a podcast that makes the movie better, which is rare. <laughs> I, re- I can't believe I turned you around on this a little bit. Well, a little you, bit. You definitely we, we did. turned. Our, you guys t- should have seen me before this. Movie. You were. He was, I'm going to pull the curtain back just a little bit. Yeah, please do. We yes did this back to back. We did. That episode you may or may not have listened to before called Chill Factor. Yeah. And Chill Factor. Ernie's favorite movie. Chill Factor got, Ernie, our producer. Ernie. Chill Factor got me in a mood. Yeah, you were in a dark place and by the end of Chill Factor. It got me in Factor. a mood. Because yeah. that movie, the movie, as you may have heard, is garbage. <laughs> so I came into this one and I'm just yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to rip this one apart. It's yeah. almost like, it's almost like I had some, I, it's almost like I was just like had something in your belly. Look at him, yeah, looking yeah. to beat up another guy, yeah. right? Like yeah. that didn't even feel good enough because yeah. chill factor is so bad. Yeah. But you want to know what? Yeah, I know this, this turned you around a little this bit. Spy kind of shag because it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> soft. It's kind of like it, it. You know, taking your shit jokes out of it for a second, it's actually not. A, it's not the worst movie in the world. It's not. Um, and you want to know what? Like another contrast to that shitty horrible movie. Yeah, um, it looks awesome. It does. Like the color palette is. Gorgeous. Yeah. The the costumes are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Even the like, the the um, purposely lo fi shit yeah, yeah. looks really good. When well, I think it taps into something that Hunter actually said on the Chill Factor podcast, mm-hmm. which I think speaks very much to this movie, which is tone. Yep. 
tone and everyone's having a good time mm-hmm. and it's it's cast very well across the board for the most part uh, and it's just a movie that has a little bit of an infectious nature to it and listen there are a lot of jokes that didn't land for me this time around and I certainly didn't love it but it's also a movie that I kind of left going surprised and also being like okay like I get why America fell in love with this guy and with these movies, as silly and as over the top as yeah. they are. Um, all right, zero nine nine. Well, where just one more chill factor point. Yeah. Whereas I think it's impossible to make a good movie out of that. To take that <laughs> stuff and make that good, it wouldn't have been that hard to make this a uh, home run. No, it I agree. wouldn't have been that hard. I agree. And I understand why they didn't bother making it a home run because mm-hmm. all they were trying to do was give this massive core audience mm-hmm. that they have now um, assembled. What they want. Well, I think that, and and this will be the last thing before we do zero ninety nine. But I will say that there's a little bit of there's sequelitis, which is that mm-hmm. there's this this fear of okay, well, people really like this about the first one, so we have to do that and bigger. Yeah, and they kind of just did that. Um, had they, and then in the third one, they were like, well, now we got we got to find a new trick, and we got to kind of reinvent this a little bit, and we got to go somewhere else, and we got to do something different. Otherwise, we're not going to get people in the theater. Now, if people approached sequels the way that they approached the third movies in these trilogies, we might all be a little bit better off because I think that these sequels tend to be a little repetitive, a little bit just going back to the well on things. Mm-hmm. So, is there a recent sequel you love? I mean, I, Dark Knight's obviously the answer, but Dark Knight is there, is obviously is there the a different one? A sequel that I love. Yes. Most pro- – Wait, number two or like – because a sequel is technically – it could be well, any tell number. me what, what you are going to say. I was going to say Thor 3, which I really, really liked a lot. Thor so, 3 was great. I saw that too. Um, because they learned from the mistakes of the second one, although some people really like the yeah. second one. But they learned from the mistakes. They reinvented it. They came at it from a totally different direction and they made the character fresher than it's been maybe ever. That's something Marvel does really Really, really well, well. Yeah. like really well, and they and I love that they've gotten to the point where they feel like they can do that. Yeah, that's great. Um, zero to ninety nine. What do you got? Zero to ninety nine. What was it in ninety nine, Kenny? It was low. It was really low. It was like a fifteen. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, truly hated it. Uh, okay. It's much higher now. Okay. Shockingly. <laughs> now a, being an hour and thirty four minutes. After I wasn't gonna, in here. I don't think I would have gone quite as low as I went before. But um, I was probably in the twenty twenty five range when mm-hmm. I walked in. Yeah, I'm I'm a lot higher. I think I think I'm gonna give it like a forty three. Yeah, when I saw it in the theater, I was a lot higher than you. I was probably somewhere in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Uh, the viewing experience of watching this the other day was not a pleasant one, and I left that thinking that this movie is like bad. Mm-hmm. And then I sat down in here and we talked about it, and now I'm like, oh, there's some stuff. I I, I think it's it's. It's straddling the the line. I'd say I'm probably in the 40s with you. I'd say I'm probably around 48. I can't, in my good conscience, tell people to go out and watch Austin Powers: The Spy Who Shagged Me. Right. But I would also say that that's how I feel. That I would also say that if you've seen it before and you had an affinity for it back then, you might be surprised that you might like it still a little bit now. This is not American Pie for me. No. Where no no no, no. yeah we're like I had loved that movie yeah. And this viewing yeah. made me realize how awful it was. Yeah. This is like I had hated this movie, and this yeah. is like you know what? It really isn't harmful. It, it's not what it's I not thought harmful. It was. Yeah, it's fine. Um, you want to preview next week? Yeah. 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 You go. So, all right. So next week we have. Um, <laughs> Wait. No. Yes. Next week. <laughs> 
We, Guys, we're, we're professionals. We, we got two things coming up in the hopper. We're trying to figure out which one to tell you about. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do, uh, we're going to do a masterpiece. We're going to have a guest. Um, with a guest. The guest is Simon, Simon Ennis, Ennis yeah. a friend of Phil's, a filmmaker. Indeed. Who is in town shooting something. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. He's going to be in town shooting a, something. I went to high school with him and film school with him. My understanding is he's one of the great David Lynch fans of the he's world. He's a huge David Lynch I don't, I don't know anyone who's a bigger David Lynch fan than him. And so he probably hates this movie because it's the least David Lynch movie of movie. all time. He loves this movie. We're going to do the straight story. Yes. A uh, movie that got an Oscar nomination for the oldest Oscar nominee of all time. Richard Farnsworth. Died who, before the ceremony. Who I would actually. You know, I love the movie. I think he should have won Best Actor. Um, who won again? 99? <sighs> yeah, it was 99. I think he doesn't oh, exist anymore. The guy who doesn't exist anymore. Doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Richard Farnsworth was not. A lot of people would say movie. Russell Crowe for The Insider, who was also fantastic and totally should have won too. But well, Richard Farnsworth is, is, is a. It's amazing, isn't it? I, you know, the 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 truth is, as mm. you know, never seen this movie. Oh, you haven't? I think no, you're going to like this movie. I've never lot, seen this movie. Um, I'm very excited to see it. I, think I really love like David Lynch, and I've I've probably mostly avoided it, not because I, I've avoided it, mostly out of like who caresness. Um, I think it's. I mean, it's not a David Lynch movie, and by that I mean it doesn't. Right. It isn't. It isn't. It it's is, a very sweet, it very is good movie. G rated. It is G, and it was released by Disney. Yeah, it is a G rated, so, you know, movie, yeah. and um, it's a fat. I, I assume it's a fascinating. It's great piece of cinema, mm-hmm. given who made it and given how well regarded it it's is. It's really beautiful I'm, movie. I'm very excited. To so do this uh, movie. tune in next week for the straight story with uh, Simon Ennis. It's been great. Cool. Thanks. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.